Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count, and Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's oh, a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what Absolutely. I like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beat of me. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello and welcome to Under the Floodlights this week on the show. Chris Wilder becomes the third Premier League manager to be sacked this season, bringing an end to nearly five years in charge of Sheffield United. Man City moved three-ish games away from winning the title after Fulham gift them a 3-0 victory at Craven Cottage. Eric Lamella grabs headlines in the North London derby as more questionable defending from Davidson Sanchez gives Arsenal a 2-1 win over rival Spurs. Leicester pile on the misery on Sheffield. United. It's a big weekend for Burnley and Brighton's survival hopes, and podcasting so much more fun when you can record an episode before Liverpool have even had the chance to lose. My mm-hmm. name's Darren Scott, mm-hmm. I'm joined with Billy Hutchison, Christopher England. Guys, how are you both? I actually did uh, think about that whenever I saw the fixtures. That This is being recorded before Liverpool. Darren's going to be delighted. I know, it's great. It's Just, great. We aren't repeating ourselves this week. Well done all. More importantly, my weekend is yet to be ruined. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but does it could work in the other way, work and ruin your entire week. Coming no, up. no, I th- a very Ooh. different thing. You know, I've been sitting all week. It's the Players' Championship in the golf. I've watched four days of that. It's been <laughs> really enjoyable. No stress this weekend. If Liverpool lose tomorrow night, who cares? I'll be tired when I'm watching it anyway. What, is it uh, Leipzig <laughs> this week as well? Or is it next week? No, as far as I'm aware, Liverpool have eliminated them from the Champions League. You don't play Oh, so, oh sorry. That... Um, yeah. <laughs> Not honour. Shocking. <laughs> I think so so I think they'll give you one. But anyway, a bit of a weird... Um, Weekend of football, um, not very Awful. much happened, truthfully. Um, <laughs> maybe a few things, I guess, that probably the, the most logical place to start is the it was the North London Derby, um, Arsenal against Spurs. Um, not sure how much sort of weight that it carries when two teams are battling for like ninth, um, <laughs> but it was played. Arsenal won the game 2 1. Uh, Jose Mourinho did an interview after the game where he talked about how awful Spurs were in the first half. He said big players were hiding. Oh, did he? He did, yeah. It came out Love scathing. That. Um, Love that. Interview after the game. Wasn't wasn't very happy with the performance. But um, yeah, what did you guys see in that one? I cannot believe Tottenham Hotspur lost this game of football. I looked at the starting lineup of that team and I went, this lot are a million miles better than Arsenal. There, There's no hope for Arteta and Co. today. It's going to be Sunday afternoon, Mourinho, 1-0, goodbye. And that lot, Fair play to Mourinho for calling them out. Did not show up. Not at all. Harry Kane, dreadful. Which has not helped my fantasy football team one bit. Yeah, well, I've got a couple of questions. First, um, uh, Aubameyang um, was meant to start and then he he broke some kind of protocol. Talk going around the internet that he was late <laughs> the consistently internet. to training. Okay. Is he not the captain? People- well, he's one the captain, and B, if you look down his Instagram, loves to show off his Lamborghinis and Ferraris at every opportunity, <laughs> so he's no excuse. <laughs> yeah, Dar- Darren, he was meant to start, and then he was dropped, like, right before the game, and he didn't. He wasn't brought on. He wasn't even on the bench, but wasn't brought on, so... Trouble in paradise. But, 
How many times? Th- th- that never happens at Arsenal. I was going like, to say, how many yeah. times this season has that happened at Arsenal? I know. It's the captain curse. Whoever gets that armband at Arsenal ends up doing something daft. Like, oh, yeah. Remember Xhaka? Yeah, Xhaka. Getting ra- booed and clapping everyone. Yeah, give the fans some hand gestures, I know. Um, if we're getting into the game, some of the sort of key takeouts from that. Um, Eric Lamella. Uh, through his, probably with yeah. probably with the most Eric Lamella performance of all time, uh, Rabona goal followed by getting sent off for smacking Tierney in the face. <laughs> it's it's not just that, Darren. He didn't even start the game. He, sorry, yes, of course, <laughs> came on. Rabona smacked Tierney in the face. Left before full time. <laughs> what an afternoon. We we needed that performance from. Otherwise, we'd have zero to talk about today. So, I mean, something I did look up. The goal obviously is the is the major talking point. Um. Something I know, Christopher, you're a huge fan of is is the expected goals statistic, um, and to be truthful, <laughs> I'm not wild about it either. But the fact that I know Chris really doesn't like it meant that now <laughs> I've bookmarked it in my um, Safari browser so that I can always check what's going on. The expected goal metric for Lamella's effort on goal was not point not three. What's, so, it, so it measures it by the chance that each individual shot has of being a goal. Who could say? Yeah, they, they've done something like look at 300,000 shot attempts and then decide from that how likely an attempt is to go in. Now, I want to know, within that 300,000, surely there's been no others like Lamella's because that was <laughs> audacious, to say the least. Well, for perhaps apart from when Lamella did it a number of years ago. <laughs> well, it's like, well, you know, but Bailey, you could if, like, because we, we don't know, it might be a very large sample size, but there could have been at the Copacabana. You know, who knows with the pitches that these expected goals were measured at? Yeah, it's true. We, we don't know what leagues have been watched for this lot, actually. But yeah, Darren makes a great point about Lamella doing this before, because this was this guy's first Premier League goal in years. And to do that... <laughs> It's your first one. <laughs> like I think it was at least two years. It's mm-hmm. sensational. I think we've talked before about you can often tell when great goals are scored by players that you don't expect it from, you can tell by the reaction of their teammates how big of a surprise it was. <laughs> and uh, the left-back, Reguillon, uh, yeah. running after him with both his hands behind his head probably told you everything that you needed to know about how Lamella was, um, has been going at Spurs. <laughs> Like, he's such a he's such a strange asset for Tottenham because he's been there for so long. He's he's always been the same. Like comes on, starts for like a couple of spells, never really progresses. Um, and Get as you, you you like to point out very regularly, um, I apparently in, in school, literally eight years ago, uh, said that he was going to be the next Bale because he was literally the replacement for Bale when they sold him. Nothing apparent about that. You did say it. You did say that. <laughs> Listen, there's there's nothing nothing that suggested that I should think otherwise. <laughs> I think for me the confusing thing about Lamella is on paper, you look at his sort of physical stature, you look at the mm. fact that he's Argentinian, you look at the fact mm. that he plays sort of as a winger attacking midfielder, however you want to call it, and you think, well, this this guy's a luxury player. And then you see him play and he's actually the complete opposite. He's a bit of a rat. <laughs> he absolutely loves it. He loves getting the studs in on any. But doesn't even need an excuse. Doesn't need anyone near him. He'll look for a fight. <laughs> and this is what he did today. I, I said to you guys earlier that the guy could have been got a second booking four or five times. How, like, he was asking whoever the ref was for it. Uh, just another player in that game who's had, who is a bizarre asset um, for a Premier League team is Cedric Suarez, the right back. 
who's currently getting a, a good run out in the Arsenal team. Um, I don't know whether you followed his career. Remember, he was at Southampton. He was like, you know, mm. the kind of Cumin Pochettino era. Won the Euros for Portugal as the starting right back, but like then didn't play for like a year. Um, and then <laughs> didn't play at South- Southampton, was on loan to Inter Milan, and then somehow made his way to Arsenal. Was Very bizarre injured? career. Was he not injured as well when he signed for Arsenal? He signed for Arsenal with six months left on his Southampton deal. I think he was injured for like three of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Well, fair play to him. Um, probably the, the point that the game turned on was a penalty decision. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen this. Uh, Nicolas Pepe plays a ball through to Lacazette, who has a chance on goal. He sort of whiffs at it a little bit, slices across it, kicks it out for a goal kick. And as he does that, Davidson Sanchez sort of hurls his body at him. Um, <laughs> Michael Oliver, the referee, awards penalty. You know, if you go through the YouTube comments, it's everybody debating whether that was a penalty or not. Jose Mourinho in his interview, um, they asked him, Jose, what do you think of the game? And, and he responded saying, no post-match interviews for referees. That's a pity and smirked. Um, <laughs> oh, box office. <laughs> oh, so, uh, you, did you guys think that that was a penalty? Uh, absolute cert for me. Sanchez comes out of... No, there's no need for him to do anything like that in the box. 100% all the... I do kind of... Like, you can look at it like, oh, that's a bit daft. That's been given. The ball's well out. Nowhere near it. But Sanchez has been an absolute moron there. Deserve a penalty. What often nah, works against Sanchez is just how kind of clumsy and awkward he looks with everything he does. Yeah. Like there was that one against Manchester City where Gundogan went past him and he just sort of ended up face first on the ground. Like <laughs> it just, it, there seems to be a lot of that going on at the moment where he just seems to look clumsy and appears to somehow always end up on his arse. Yeah. <laughs> just a very limmy player. So he is just a lot of height, very gangly. Um, something is uh, as well. I noted that it was good to see um, Ian Wright announced this week that that he has reached out to Lacazette and um, to apologise for that nonsense of him, Lineker, and um, was oh, it Shearer screaming on Match oh, of the Day last week? So clearly, at some point between doing that and um, and this week, he clearly realised that oh yes, I'm a 57 year old adult. I should probably reach out and apologise to that player. Um, uh, so it was that actually Dion Dublin. Uh, Dion Dublin apologies. Which- that guy's on daytime TV. Scrace. <laughs> Homes under the hammer. <laughs> Stairs leading up to the bedroom. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, good, good, good to hear that because yeah, that was three grown men acting out like that was that was one of the worst moments in match of day history. Between that and Gary making it all about himself that time where he presented in his boxers. C- couldn't agree more, Billy. Um, fee money. What do you think about so Jose's comments about referees doing post match interviews, or do you think they should have to come and have a conversation about the decisions they made? I th- like I, I do think it is. I do think it's partly brutal how much chat there is about referees, but I don't. I don't know what implications it would have. Like, would it? I don't think it would satisfy people. Would still be very irritated if they did the interviews. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if they would make decisions with the um, understanding that they would have to explain them and rationalize them afterwards i think the problem they have is they make a decision and then it's sort of it's just now it's not talked about it's not addressed as to why um so i know like when i played amateur football the referees that didn't speak to you were the worst the ones who just said listen i didn't know or whatever you kind of went okay like i can't say anything to you if you've just admitted mm-hmm. fault or admitted i didn't see it or i uh, haven't seen it so i can't give it or whatever like you can't i can't say anything to that but it's when you're saying why'd you give that and they don't answer you it's like okay well that you, you, you're just proving my point you don't have an answer 
No, I think I think it just gets very dangerous. I think that mix of rock star refs and then just huge six pack down the pub gurning no matter what the ref says. Mourinho's been going on about this for years. I I think back ten years to Mourinho bringing this idea up. I I'm so against it. I don't want to hear what the referee has to say trying to explain everything <laughs> and then Sky Sports giving me 10 minute YouTube clips dissecting, you know, Gary Neville going through every word the ref said and then breaking down his body language and stuff. Don't need it. No, not for me. Well, well yeah, because like, I, what I'm very against actually is this bizarre post refereeing punditry career that some of them have where they go on Sky Sports News at like eight in the morning and talk about the decisions <laughs> of the weekend. Like, Dermot what a Gallagher. farce. Like, give me a break. <laughs> what a nonsense that is. Like, Clown show. So I suppose probably the, the biggest result this week was um, was Leicester absolutely slapping Sheffield United about. Um, Ian Acho hat-trick, uh, as well as a couple of others. I think Perez got in the score sheet in an own goal as well. I mean, Sheffield United have had a dreadful week. This wasn't even a competitive game of football. Like, this was two teams from what should will soon be two different divisions. Like, Sheffield United are so done. Like, their, their games going forward should just be, like, simming games in FIFA where they just automatically lose them all three now. <laughs> this was I'm actually just looking at the stats now and it's they had zero shots on target, one corner and one shot in general. That is this is the Premier League. Come on. I mean I think if no, you I'm, am I right in saying that if you forfeit a game you lose three nil? Would they yes, not be better, be better off doing, for them. Would they not be better yeah. off doing that some weeks? <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be so much easier. Stop wasting my time watching Aaron Ramsdale trying to keep things out. Well, I mean, for me, a perfect example from the game is if you want to know why Sheffield United are getting relegated, go and have a look at Iheanacho's third goal. Uh, somebody close him down. He literally stands <laughs> 30 to 25 yards out from goal for a good five, six seconds and nobody comes near him. And he decides because of that, I may as well have a hit here. And he scores. Yeah. It's abysmal defending. And I think that's what really pisses fans off is that mm-hmm. you know they know they're going down but it just screams a lack of effort and obviously the whole wilder stuff which i know we're going to talk about in a little bit um yeah i mean that's just it's unacceptable but yeah yeah and we will get into the wilder stuff it's the fact that um paul hecking bottom who is the interim guy who by the way has managed leads um <laughs> and uh hibs so he's not you know he's not exactly a a mug um, but apparently he could only meet up with his players on Sunday because he was in isolation or something. Um, he literally said in the post-match interview, um, oh, you know, like, Wilder Leaving's taking its toll. You know, and you're, you're just sitting there thinking, like, um, yeah, I, I wonder why the, <laughs> the board then sacked him um, if that was going to happen. Before we get into the whole Chris Wilder uh, situation, I think it's probably fair to comment on Leicester first in saying that they're pretty good. Uh, smile on Chris's face here as he gets what, proven what, somewhat right. Well, it's, it's just what? Well, no, no, it, it's not. It's, it's not proving anything. It, it was the fact, like the whole way through the season. Um, actually, uh, didn't need to. It's, it's like Brighton don't need to prove anything. Um, it's just it just exemplifies itself in factual reality that they're an excellent side. Well, mm. I'm st- it, yeah, it's still a tough waiting thing. on them bottling it. Yeah, and that's the tough thing for me. It's like actually everything about them, most of the things about them, I would usually quite like. 
you know, play attractive football, a few players that I quite like, that new training facility that looks like the Eden Project. Oh. I'm a big fan of that. Um, the problem for me is literally just Jamie Vardy and Brendan Rogers, and I just can't get behind <laughs> those two individuals. Um, but on Bailey's point of waiting for them to bottle it, their last three games, I think, are Man City, Chelsea, Spurs. So they need oh, to have top four wrapped it. up before those last love three it. games. I'm still holding. Chelsea and Spurs, I'm with like, Bailey. I'm still holding out for the big capitulation at the end of the year. Just fingers crossed. It's bound to happen. And I, I love that you brought up Farty there because those <laughs> stories have been doing the rounds again this week. Of what stories? The night before he he scored that in the eleventh game in a row, he had a bottle of red wine. Or what a red, guy. red bull. Such a, no, 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 red, bull. red wine. Oh, red, oh no. right, okay. Yeah, and they're like, oh, what, what a lad. Oh, I love Vardy. Just, just one, of the, one of the boys, so he is. And you're like, oh, come on, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so just hate, hate all that. Come on, Premier League. The, 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 the reason Leicester is so good is because they've got a team who are all coming into like their prime or improving rapidly in a really, like all at the same time, like Harvey Barnes, like Soyuncu, Chu, like Ndidi, like Tielemans. And their fullbacks are absolutely outstanding. I mean, Justin has been so good all year, but then having Ricardo and Castagna playing, um, like they've been injured most of the season and they're still in the position that they're in. But it's uh, it's big Kalechi Iheanacho, who apparently, hilariously, now has a better goals per game record in the Premier League than Gabriel Jesus. And they signed him from Manchester City. Well, let's, let's not start feeling bad for Man City here. Yeah, it's not turning on what a bad decision Man City have made as they're sitting a million points ahead of everyone. Yeah. I think it is fair to say Leicester's strength and depth has been um probably um underappreciated this year. They've had yeah. they've had large scale injury problems that kind of haven't really been talked about just because the yeah. likes of Fafana have come in and, and um settled in really quickly. Obviously Chilwell left last summer and they don't look weaker at fullback Harvey Barnes um, was having an unbelievable season, then got injured. <laughs> they now look like they're going to play two up top with Vardy and Iheanacho, and that looks just as dangerous. So, But yeah, I mean, the big talking point from this was obviously um, Chris Wilder, and I know, Chris, you were quite passionate about um, <laughs> this when you heard the news come out of Sheffield. It's, it's, it's just, um, I mean, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a particularly controversial opinion. I think everybody broadly agrees that it's absolutely outrageous um, that he's been sacked. Sheffield United are nothing without Chris Wilder. They were, la- like, before last season, the last time Sheffield United were in the Premier League, the last time Sheffield United were in the Championship, let alone the <laughs> Premier League, was uh, 2012, I think, 2013. And the last time they were in the Premier League was when we were all in primary school. So they had no expert. This is the thing that irritates me more than anything, because Leicester did it when they sacked Ranieri uh, and got Claude Puel to replace him. <laughs> um, it's happened to other clubs as well that I can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, it's when teams go up and their owners think, oh, we, we, have, uh, we have the right to just be like, oh, well, this is where we should be. This is where we, we, we must be because we're in the Premier League now with no prior kind of like, oh, look at where we've come from. Sheffield United came from nothing. They came from 10th in League One to the Premier League with basically the same team. Uh, and I know the players have not uh, delivered um, for serious financial investment and stuff. Um, but Norwich look like they're going back up with the same manager. 
how would sacking Chris Wilder make them a better club? How? There is nothing that will make them better for this, especially before the end of the season. Now, they're going to break all sorts of records now. <laughs> what was the way they sacked them? Because the news initially yeah. sort of came out to everyone on Friday night, I think. Everyone started going, oh, yes. Wilder's leaving. Sources are telling us Wilder's leaving. And then news came out on Saturday that he hadn't left. And then there was more more news that he had. Outrageous. Outrageous lack of respect for what he's done. And then, yeah, it was this afternoon. Oh, we've now confirmed Wilder's left by mutual consent. You're going, how is it taking that long? <laughs> like once that decision's been yeah. made, make it. Just yeah. don't let Sky Sports tell me that he's got the boot. And then yeah. three days later, I find out during the middle of the North London Derby that it's official. There's sometimes teams, because of the nature of the championship, right, it's super competitive. It, that, that's why it's so good, whatever. Sometimes, and it might happen this year with Barnsley. I don't know if you, whether you've seen this or not. Uh-huh. A team that has absolutely no right whatsoever to go up, uh, goes up. Happened to Huddersfield a couple of years ago. Um, Sheffield United, broadly similar, because it was so unexpected. It, it's when these managers get sacked after doing that. That is just, it's so mm. unjust. And so, like, they have no right. Like, they had an unbelievable first season. Like, that as well, because they had an unbelievable first season. They're not a Premier League club. There's nothing about Sheffield United that is a Premier League club in any of their, um, you know, the recruitment and, and the wages and all that kind of stuff. They have no right to be there. Like, so consolidating in the championship again, using the parachute money, build it up again with Chris Wilder and let him leave on his own terms because he deserves it. It's low, but, but it's more than that because it's the competency with which he has shown in his entire managerial career where they were nowhere before him. Nowhere. No, it reeks of like a chairman or like a board's ego just getting in the way. And then... Yeah. Because I can't sense it between like him and player. It doesn't seem like there's been a dressing room fallout. It seems to be more behind the scenes. So it doesn't... It just stinks of that. that someone at that level has probably fallen out with him. He's probably moaned about recruitment or something on yeah. that side. And yeah. that's just led to them going, okay, championship. we're back in the championship next year. We can't continue with this guy. We need a change. But I agree with you. I, I don't think it should have gone. Just keep hold of him. Rebuild next year. Get yourself back up. I think there were, I was reading some stuff earlier today and there were talking about there being sort of disagreements between the owner and him. I think when he was um, appointed the manager position, um, the club was co-owned. So there was, um, I think, a local Sheffield owner, sort of Sheffield through and through. Mm -hmm. And then there was obviously this investment from the Middle East. Um, Mm -hmm. And Wilder was very much the... um, original Sheffield through and through guy I forget his name forgive me yeah. um he he was his guy and there was always sort of that conflict between Wilder and the um the Middle Eastern uh, representative within the within the board and there were some conversations apparently last summer uh, around Chris Wilder didn't think there was enough investment in the squad they were saying on the flip side no we gave you money you spent it on people like Brewster you bought McBurney <laughs> the year before where's the goals from those two um so apparently the the rumor is that there has been a little bit of um, conflict sort of behind the scenes now rumbling for quite a while. But, yeah, like I, like I thought the signing of Sander Burge, I thought in January last year, I thought showed their intent to actually become a proper mm. Premier League team because every club in Europe wanted him. Uh, but I mean, they're, they're it, it's, the guy who owns them is part of the House of Saud. I, I mean, like they, they don't not have money, you know? <laughs> 
Meanwhile, they're spending that money on Brewster, who's done. But, 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 but we we don't know how their recruitment works. Like every club's different. Like he, I don't. We don't know whether he has the final. You know, like Ole does not have the final say. United probably. Mm. You know that uh, type of yeah, thing. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's strange. It'll be interesting to see who takes that job one, and then secondly, where Wilder ends up. Because does yeah. he does he drop down the championship now? Find a club, get that similar identity with his three at the back kind of system of the overlapping centre backs, or is there a team in the Premier League who's willing to maybe give him two three years to build that? It's going to be mm. interesting to see. Will be, and I think as well there there looks like there's a lot of loyalty in the Sheffield United changing room to him. I know, um, yeah, I think Ollie McBurney put a a tweet out or something on some form of social media saying. You know, we're sorry for letting you down. It was, you know, that's yeah. sort of quite personal yeah. stuff. So, I mean, that's tough enough to whoever comes into Sheffield United. Not only do they have to get the team playing good football, which they're not good at currently, um, but also they need to kind of overcome any sort of culture stuff and, and loyalties. Get uh, well, the, uh, well, I mean, even even just looking at the odds on managers, um, Jason Tindall, the old Bournemouth um, assistant guy who got sacked after taking over. Derek McGuinness, who's just left Aberdeen. Mark Hughes. I mean, how is this going to be an improvement? Yeah, oh, it's, it's yeah. just an absolute joke. Lambert? Mark. I don't know. You know? Well, Anyhow? I'll tell you who they could get. They could get Ross Nicholson. Did what? you see this? What? Did what? you see this? Oh, I believe. <laughs> it's Ross Nicholson. Ross Nicholson is a, uh, a made-up uh, football manager. Aberdeen fans. Um, yes. <laughs> made a basically a fake Wikipedia page for Ross Nicholson, who was um manager of Disney Exe, which um is doesn't exist. Um <laughs> <laughs> created a fake Wikipedia page for him. And um and, and apparently Skybet picked up on it for whatever reason and had him at ten to one to become the next Aberdeen manager. <laughs> Like that guy, Derek McInnes, is in that running as well. And then Skype has yeah. just been fooled by a bunch of Aberdeen fans. Well done to <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, listen, moving on. Um, Everton Burnley threw up a bit of a surprise result. There was a couple of teams down the bottom had a had a pretty good um, had a pretty good weekend. Burnley beat Everton 2-1. Uh, I think we're 2-0 <clears> up inside <throat> 20 minutes or something. They got smacked. For, yeah, very strange. Actually for smacked. Burnley. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti must pull his hair out at this Everton lot. They're so inconsistent. Yeah, yeah like yeah. I, I was just saying, I was saying this before we started. Um, like, I remember when Tom Davis came on the scene for Everton. Um, he looked unbelievable. Like, there was that goal where he, well, I can't remember, he scored or he set up or something against uh, City. And he was like 18 or whatever. Oh, I was in this next Everton guy. He had a world at Anfield. <laughs> in, in what, a defensive role or like an attacking role or, you know, what? Just all facets was just better than Liverpool's midfield. He also seems like some crack off the pitch. Well, he's always got a bit of personality because his, his grooming has always caused a bit of interest. You could um, talk about, I mean, you could get into the conversation around Dominic Calvert-Lewin's form this year has been unreal. He likes to dress up in these sort of fashioned outfits with his friend Tom Davis. So you could argue that Tom Davis is providing sort of strategic morale um, to the, the team's <laughs> top goal scorer. Smiles on faces, that's what it's all about. The end of the day, you know, Calvert Lewin still put them in. May as well keep Tom about. And I guess the outcome for the result is that you know Burnley now move a little bit further away from the relegation zone, and from Everton's point of view, they now kind of 
blow the whole top floor race wide open again. It's kind of why I wanted to talk about both of them, because I think this is the last time we'll chat about either of them. Because <clears throat> Burnley's season's now done. They're, they're safe there. 33 points, Fulham's 26. That's That should be enough for Deitch and the boys to follow through on. I think Everton's season's now nearly done. Like, they've kind of fallen off it, but if you look at, like, the Europa League spots, it'll probably be them or Spurs. Just with Liverpool just below them going through the run they are, I still think Liverpool will at some point will make the strategic and wise decision to just avoid Thursday nights. So I think Everton, Tottenham, I think their seasons are kind of just done in the middle there. So yeah, it's good stuff. 28 games in and you don't have to worry about the next 10. And just relax, miss out on it. You didn't see during the week, though uh, obviously Carlo Ancelotti's one of the best managers to ever ever manage in the game. And he's being mm-hmm. chirped on Instagram by Alex Iwobi. Iwobi has been called up to the Nigerian team and put up an Instagram story saying, delighted to be picked for my country again, can't wait to be played in my best position. Chirped Ancelotti. Unbelievable. <laughs> This is a guy who's done nothing since I think a forty million pound move. Yeah, it's had like it four good much? games. Yeah, it, it, it was like forty million. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> Thirty, forty million. So yeah, you know he's coming out here chirping a man who's won the Champions League a million times. Outrageous <laughs> behaviour. And another team that that um, obviously had a good week down the bottom end of the table is Chris's favourite Brighton. What a result they had against Southampton. Yeah, to, 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 uh, well, uh, well. So I mean, like Southampton won their some Southampton, but uh, yeah, to, yeah. Talk us through it, um, Darren. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked obviously about um, XG Potter and how they're a team that they're <laughs> underperform massively relative to their expected goals. Um, this week they actually overperformed. Their expected goals were not point nine seven, <laughs> and, and obviously they scored. Of course, they did twice. Um, and I have to say, in all seriousness, um, the second goal, the winner, um, Trossard. That was a great bit of play again. Lalana into Welbeck first yeah. time in the tr- like beautiful football. When this thing comes off, it is some of the best football in this league. It's oh, right, right, right. Billy, hang on, <laughs> hang on, Billy, hang on. So in this league, in this, in this league. league, in this league, whenever Brighton put the ball on net, sometimes it's it's a lot better than. Well, let's let's start going through some of these teams. Uh, Palace, we'll say, for instance. <laughs> a million, million miles better than whatever Palace can do. It's a million miles better than what Spurs did today. Here's the issue, though, Bailey. Spurs and Crystal Palace are both above Brighton in the table. <laughs> well, the way Brighton have played today and showed me that they can actually exceed their expected goals. They'll be back in the table next season, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. They'll still be here, and that's all. That's all they care but, about. But it's, it's now got to the stage where literally everybody is only analysing them relative to their expected goal. Like, think how ridiculous this is. Like, we've got this stage. They're the only club in this country that we do this. Like, no other metric by which we assess Brighton Hope Albion other than whether they over or underperform their, their expected goals. Because what a they, joke. Because they pass the eye test and therefore it doesn't make any sense to people. People watch them, you don't understand why they're bad. I, I think it's genius from them. Control the narrative. I'm all about it. <laughs> if you're that low, just start going, just find somewhere where you're fantastic and they've got, we're great on XG. Yeah. We're sixth, at, we're sixth in this table on XG. Let's let's start putting that out in the media. And because if you're, if you're any striker worth your salt this summer, 
You must be thinking, God, I'd love to get the big move to Brighton. Sixth unexpected goals. If you back yourself to be able to put the ball in the net, you'd be thinking, I'm going to play in Europe. Did you see their first goal, Lewis Dunk? Yeah. From the corner. Hor- what is Fraser? Keeping. I mean, what is Fraser Forster doing? They're, they're having serious goalkeeping issues um, at Southampton. How old is Fraser Forster? Um, he, he's like mid-30s, but Fraser Forster turned down the chance to go back to Celtic in the summer in order to be the third choice goalkeeper at Southampton this season. Right. Because watching think, the Lewis Dunk incident, he reminded mm-hmm. me of, you know those old toys that you used to see? Um, they sort of have the key in the back that you kind of crank and turn and it kind of mm-hmm. creates a mechanism which then forces an action. That's what I thought when I saw Fraser Forster. I just thought somebody from Southampton needed to go and wind him up a little bit, just get him kicking <laughs> over again. Yep. Yeah, it's it's the height of the film. The guy's like six seven, six eight. Like he's he's too tall for the position <laughs> to get down. Yeah. So it is, you know, there's there has to be an average height of keepers that we've worked out. This is the exact it's like jockeys. We've worked out what height a jockey should be. We should have worked out by now what size a keeper should be. And six eight's too tall. Yeah. There was like a lag did, time from when Dunk's mm. when Dunk made contact with the ball, uh, to when it registered in Forster's head that this is a shot heading towards my goal. I mean, like, Fraser Forster was the Celtic goalkeeper when they beat Barcelona, you know, that, the, their prime era. He was, he's, he, you know, he's clearly been phenomenal at Southampton for a very long time. Um, and he was in the England squads for the World Cups and Euros. Like, the, the, guy, the, the guy is comfortably, like, I wouldn't even say he's in the top 25 goalkeepers in the Premier League. <laughs> well, he's both Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> um. Yeah. Maybe. Not sure they. Do you think now Brighton are safe then? No. No. Of course they're not. What, 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 it's not there's three points. So it's not. What's that? How, not how are they safe on the board? They're three points ahead of Fulham with a game in hand, and Newcastle sit in between them and Fulham as well. With ten games to go, are you joking? Well, you've told us Newcastle are down. Oh, so, Newcastle are definitely down. Well, then, but well, there's only three teams that can go down, Chris. <laughs> I didn't say they're. I said they're not safe. Okay, but they're staying up in your head. Look, uh, big Sam's there, right? <laughs> let's let's see what happens, Christopher. I will get you to say Brighton are staying up in this league. Listen, yeah. we're not going. Mbai Diagna, Mbai Diagna could turn out to just have a worldy five games, and West Brom have the greatest escape in Premier League history. Who who knows? Um, I loved but Newcastle are dying the process yeah. there like that was so good just seeing the cogs turn in your yeah. mind that spin that in some direction very political <laughs> but they're but they're not they're not safe like let's get it right because uh, New, Newcastle could still stay up as well okay so they're not safe but they're not going down <laughs> no they, 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 they could go down but Newcastle are dying um well let's see you know. <laughs> You, you didn't notice who didn't play this weekend, just to pick up on Newcastle, the Longstaffs. Oh, you. well indeed, well indeed. Tights. <laughs> Here, I bet, I bet they regret not going to United and Udinese respectively now. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know. Oh, all right. Um, speaking of callbacks to things that we talked about last week, I have a bit of an update on the Mbappe GoFundMe page. <laughs> So I do, so just a little bit of housekeeping. Obviously, we may have insinuated that the money was going into some punter's bank account. Um, 
I've since done a little bit of digging, and, and that is not true. They have said that um, if they fail in their aim to raise two hundred and fifty million pounds, all proceeds um, that are raised will go to the Owen McVeigh Foundation, who uh, are a charity that help children cuff- suffering from cancer and also offer some support for their family. So, great cause if they don't hit the two hundred and fifty million um, well, yeah. pound target. That's money for charity, and, and you know, yeah. No, well, this is the thing now. If- Say say a, a decent amount of money's raised here, and it starts getting close to that Mbappe total. How awful will Mbappe feel <laughs> if he gets that move to Liverpool and he knows there's money being taken away from a charity there? You know, that's all time PR disaster, I think. Something, something tells me, in the very unlikely chance that this GoFundMe page raises £250 million. And I say unlikely because as of 6pm on Sunday, the 14th of March, they're at £4,152. <laughs> so there's just another there's just another £249,995,847 to go. Um, but yes, I think in the very uh, unlikely chance that they do hit their targets, something tells me Liverpool Football Club would say, we can't accept this money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what, what I would say is, like, I, I always look at money like, take care of the pennies and the pounds look after themselves and that amount of money is already in the bank it's there you don't know what could happen who could take an interest in this who could just what i'm trying to think of the word there philanthropist is maybe going to chuck a couple of quid in there and then yeah take money away from sick kids just so mbappe can score goals in front of the cop because mm. it would be horrible if they got to like 249 million you know, like they were ten pounds, ten pounds away, and there's somebody sitting <laughs> hovering over. If I give this ten pounds, they're going to buy Mbappe. If I don't, it's going to go to kids, um, <laughs> in a very worthy cause. <laughs> so. yeah, this, yeah, this has real potential to be disastrous. In all seriousness, I quite like that. You know, a joke has at least raised a few thousand pounds for charity. So just, that was just an update on that. I'll, I'll keep tabs on that to see if. You know, there's a big surge at any point and, and they start to threaten their total. Um, mm. But yeah, that, that's that. Um, Bailey... I think Man City owners should get involved there. That's what I'm thinking. Who has the money for this? The Man City owners? This, you because... mean the state of the United Arab Emirates? <laughs> yes. Just whack that money in the, that GoFundMe just for that PR disaster. I'm not, just sure, Liverpool. I'm not sure if you're doing sort of a cost-benefit analysis. I'm not 100% sure that them investing £250 million for a rival club to buy Kylian Mbappe is really worth it for the PR. And no, no, no. if that would just, get traced back to them, so it would be a PR disaster for themselves as well. Nah. Um, really in the mud this week? Is the Juventus chief and chair of the European Club Association, Andrea Agnelli, for his proposed changes to the game of soccer. Uh, The first change that he wants surrounds transfers. He said this week, uh, we could think of double paths for the transfer system whereby clubs qualifying to specific tiers in international competitions wouldn't be allowed to buy each other's players. So that would actually improve the indirect solidarity towards other clubs. So... No triple-figure transfers amongst Champions League participating clubs. Maybe we will be focusing too on the champion players of smaller countries. So allowing us to buy players there, for example. These are the elements that we're discussing. So amongst the transfer rules that he kind of wants, uh, transfers that wouldn't have been permitted include Neymar, uh, going to, uh, from Barcelona to PSG for £197 million. Mbappe, going to PSG for £166 million. 
And then Cristiano Ronaldo going from Real Madrid to Juventus for 105 million. <laughs> Moron. It, 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 well, so, it's not even it's not even just that. Like their success of nine years in a row of winning the league is based on the fact that they signed the best players from the other Italian teams, thereby yeah. diminishing all competition. It, it's a moron. Is this stemming from? I think we've talked on this podcast before about our sort of uh, ideology that if a, if any team was to win their domestic league ten years in a row, that there needs to be massive reform and changes to that league. Is this mm-hmm. just Juve saying themselves? We're gonna win ten, and when we do, we want to like stop ourselves getting bored. Can we start, you know, putting some daft mm. rules in place? That does does reek of that a bit. Like, let's shoot ourselves in the foot and let all these this lot catch up, mm-hmm. and then see what happens. But yeah, very strange that. But, but years, sorry, what what was the context for this, or what? Like, why 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 does he want to do? What sorry to improve competition for all the competitions they yeah, don't so win in all, Europe? Yeah, so the. So he's been at the European Club Association. There was a big meeting this week and he's put out a load of other rules. And there's another part of the meeting with UEFA this week surrounding the Champions League. And this is where his other dumb ideas have come in. So he gave approval this week for a new look continental competition to begin with 36 clubs instead of 32. And under the proposal, teams would play 10 matches in the autumn rather than the current six in the group stage as part of a Swiss system. Uh, Swiss system Swiss system I've no idea what that right. I've tried to find out all day with this <laughs> no idea zero idea but he hopes to come be agreed in the next fortnight uh, the Premier League aren't having any of this they've, uh, <laughs> they've said they're, they're concerned with the uh, number of the increased number of matches contained within it and he responded immediately by saying uh, the solution to this is by reducing the number of teams in the Premier League the balance for a trend strike is one-third international games otherwise known as uh, the european games to two-third domestic we have countries such as england with a maximum number of games at 53 or 54 germany's 43 so it's about having a balanced competitive landscape we do think that currently for competitive balance purposes 20 teams in leagues it's just not the big leagues but in many leagues there's too many <laughs> so he's immediately gone on the attack of oh if you don't like my proposal I don't like yours <laughs> but also like just to point out the Serie A has 20 teams in it again I'm all yeah, for right any on. competition or any change to the rules that actually makes less football I, I'm fine with the Premier League having less teams and there being less matches what I don't want is you just substitute less matches in the Premier League to then force me to watch ridiculous European football at stupid times midweek when everyone's busy yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just in a Swiss system, Billy. No, I'm not a I'm not a mathematician or an accountant. Uh, very quickly, but um, am I right in saying that 36 teams does not divide very well into uh, knockout stages and therefore an actual competition, and therefore you have a Euro situation where third place teams who don't win a match go through the next round? Oh, there's absolutely every chance of that. Absolutely every chance. Yeah, you don't need Rachel Riley to get involved here with the guy telling him <laughs> your maths is wrong. Doesn't like none of this makes sense that he wants ten everyone to play ten games in the autumn and then go on. But it's interesting who'll be playing these games because the current setup is Chris, you, you'll you'll know this season. You're quite excited for West Ham to get top four to then get in the Champions League and play against these big clubs. No, 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 not for Andrelli. Or Andrea, he wants the teams picked in this to be based on historical coefficient. 
rather than oh, performance in your most right let's get stoke and middlesbrough back in yep yep let's get them in <laughs> yeah so someone someone chirped them about this uh and said is this like a dangerous precedent uh to allow be- like allowing people into this competition based on historic performance and his comment was unprecedented unprecedented events can turn into normality some years ago it was unprecedented that not just the champions were allowed in the champions league and then it became normality this guy's elite right so let's so, right let, let i look forward to seeing league two wigan athletic in the europa league <laughs> next year then if we're basing it all on historical coefficient so this, this just whole, the whole thing screams of this is you've ever won the league however many times in a row they're bored in that competition. They're like, why would we continue to play this? Let's try and come up with something new without understanding that there's probably more money in the Premier League having 20 teams than it is having them going to play extra games in Europe. The Premier League's obviously the biggest market and whatever. So like, they're never going to agree to that. You're very bored. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 is this the same guy, Bailey, who appointed Andrea Perlo uh, at the end of Cristiano Ronaldo's career to be their manager? Yeah, this, and this have is gone out in the Champions League in the last 16. Yeah, yeah so this is a guy who has seen his club in the past uh, three years uh, leave the Champions League due to defeats by Ajax, Lyon and Porto. Three teams <laughs> he doesn't deem glamorous enough for his <laughs> But has decided, yeah, that this is the time with Ronaldo probably in his last two or three good years. Let's put in... A manager who's not managed the game in his life trying to win this competition we've never won. He's a man. Well, listen, <laughs> everyone's had a tough time in lockdown if this is how this guy's stopped himself getting bored. All part two. Um, but no, we'll, we'll not be doing that in our league. So we won't. No, listen, not uh, um, boys, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of today. A uh, little bit of housekeeping going forward. Um, this week there's some funny fixtures i think there's only eight premier league games there's also some fa cup quarterfinals so we will be uh, podcasting next week and we'll probably do a little bit of a hybrid of premier league and fa cup uh the boys can can tell me what goes on in the in the quarterfinals as i spend my weekend not watching that um and then i think the week after that i believe is the international break so we will likely be taking uh, a week off at that point but we will update you on that um closer to the time we're not Uh, covering the international football darn nope (laughs) we are not um anyway until uh next week boys thank you very much for being here cheers yes and see you next week Go on, Declan. <laughs>